I want to talk about Taylor Swift today. Taylor Swift's on my brain. Well, right. Because I'm an American, and apparently she's ubiquitous, right? She's everywhere. The Eras Tour, man. Yeah, is that still going on? I don't Hell know. yeah, it's still going on. It's barely started. Okay. So there's a lot of things to talk about with Taylor Swift. There is? Well, not exactly. Okay. Not, not for people like us. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But what do you, you want to say? I want to talk about the cultural significance of Taylor Swift. Wow. Yeah, because it interests me. Does it? Does it not interest you? It doesn't, but maybe this will be interesting. Let's find out. Okay, so I have a lot of friends who are around my age. I'm 36 years old. Like a middle millennial is, is where I fit. It's, that's a pretty strong Taylor Swift fan demographic in that sure. age band. You know, I think that she probably spans all ages, but, yeah. but there's a strong demographic here. And my wife and I had uh, friends visiting about two months ago, and they were staying with us in our house. And the, it's a, um, a husband and a wife, and the wife is a big-time Swifty. And she was going to a Taylor Swift concert with some other people who she was like, we're in Portland. She was going to drive to Seattle to go to the concert. And she was going to meet up with these people that she'd never met before. She met them online in Taylor Swift forums and stuff like that. And they were having big conversations about Taylor Swift. These people weren't there, just my wife and this woman and the other guy. And I had the position, I just wanted to say something because I have know nothing about Taylor Swift. And I, you know, I finally, there was an, a, an opening and I was like, you know, it kind of just occurred to me that Taylor Swift is like the cultural successor to Bruce Springsteen. And uh, that was completely shot down. Doesn't that sound reasonable to you? To me, it does. But um, not to them, I suppose. And I don't really know anything about Taylor Swift, except she's got this very popular tour. She's had a bunch of albums. So, you know, I may not be the guy to know, but it sounds reasonable to me, yes. At the, at the time that I said this, I didn't know the raw numbers of like how Taylor Swift has done. I'm not sure that matters or not, but the reason that I was so shot down by everybody in the room was that Taylor Swift is apparently so much more popular than Bruce Springsteen ever was. Um, To be clear, the reason I said Taylor Swift was a cultural successor to Bruce Springsteen is because she's known for like doing long shows and is a singer songwriter and like talks about the American experience, obviously in a very different part of the American experience than Bruce Springsteen. But you can see where I'm going with the cultural successor to Bruce Springsteen. I thing. really can. Okay. I really can. Um, but they were like, it's not, you can't even do that because Bruce Springsteen is a speck of dust compared to Taylor, Smith, uh, Taylor Swift. He's nothing. Like, he's meaningless. So they, they thought it was not a good comparison due to that. Mm. Um, then about a month later, I was on a family trip with my wife's family and my in-laws are, you know, in their late 60s, early 70s, and are actually big Bruce Springsteen fans. Yeah. So they've been to multiple Bruce Springsteen concerts, stuff like that. And uh, I know my wife's mom has actually, like, traveled states just for Bruce Springsteen concerts. So I brought this up. I thought it was funny. So I brought this up to people who are Bruce Springsteen fans, expecting them to agree with me. But my wife's mom and stepdad in their late 60s and early 70s, who are big Bruce Springsteen fans, gave me the same reaction as my millennial contemporaries and, and basically told me I was wrong because of how much more popular Taylor Swift was than Bruce Springsteen ever could be. Well, I did a little research while you were talking to get a sense of how right they are and how wrong you are, and it is monumental. Well, okay. I have a, I have a rebuttal, but I would like to hear first. What Here's you- what I looked up. 
I looked up their Spotify chart history in terms of total streams um, for each of them in terms in terms of different their most popular songs and how much they've been streamed. Right. So besides Santa Claus is coming to town, which Bruce Springsteen did and got 121 million streams, his most popular song that he would actually like perform in a concert, born in the USA, at six and a half million streams. Okay. This. Taylor Swift, her most popular song is called Antihero. It's one point something billion streams. Her next most popular song, well, let me, let me skip to the bottom of this list. What did I say, six and a half million? Um, it's like 85 songs before we get to six and a half million. Even if I get to the 120 million of Bruce Springsteen, we're looking at 20, 23, 24 songs that are more streams. Many of them have like, number two, 787 million streams for blank space. I don't want to live forever. 689 million streams. Okay, okay. So really different. I, I get that. Mountain versus How, Mohill. However, I'm sure you can recognize that this is bad data. That it's not necessarily of course. indicative of nothing. Well, he's been around much longer before we had streaming charts. Right, and like yeah, that. of and course. Like his, his, the height of his popularity was not when Spotify was around. No question that's true. However, the numbers are so dwarfed. You know, she's literally got like, his second most popular song is like 120 times less popular than hers. That's crazy, even with the, the era's thing in mind. You know, the, the, they're in different okay. well, generations. Let me, let me look at this from a different angle. Okay. Because... Um, I acknowledge that Taylor Swift is more popular than Bruce Springsteen ever was. Well, I don't. Yeah. I don't think as much as those numbers indicate. Because, Fair enough. Because of the era, not the tour, but you know the era difference thing. Um, however, does that mean that my point is no good? Just because, like Bruce Springsteen is worldwide famous. He's a. Oh yeah. Like you could say that to almost anybody in the world, and they'll know who he is, right? Absolutely. Especially in America. So. Oh, for sure. Right. For so, sure. So he's reached the critical threshold of fame that's like super fame, right? You would agree with that? I mean, I don't know how to define super fame. I don't know what that means. Okay, let's say <laughs> people know him by name and mostly know him by face as well. Like a lot of people, almost everybody. Um, face less so, but I think name recognition is pretty darn high. I mean, they have, they have Q scores for that, so we could look that up We too. don't need to do that. Um, uh, you don't want to do that? You're going to lose that one too? No, it's not what I'm thinking. Okay. I'm just thinking that's a waste of time. Okay. Um, but does... So... What I'm asking you, Jonathan Levy, yeah. as the rational person in the room right now, because I'm feeling irrational about, right. about this whole situation, does that truly refute my point that she is that much more popular? Or can she still be the cultural successor to Bruce Springsteen? Because I got different reactions. You know, the, the older generation were not, like, insulted by the idea. They were just thought that I was wrong. Yeah. Um, the younger, the millennial generation, now they are strong, swifty people, so they're not, like necessarily emblematic of everybody my age, but of, of a certain subset, they, w they had an air of being insulted about it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I, like I had been offensive to Taylor Swift in some way. It's like you're saying, like, oh, yeah, frickin' my favorite, the Celtics, like Jason Tatum, who's the best player on the Celtics, and is like, you know, sixth in MVP voting or fourth in MVP voting. It's like me saying, like, he's basically the new Michael Jordan. And it'd be like, well, no, he's not. He just isn't anywhere close. He never was. It's sort of like, the way people might be reacting to that, right? Yeah, I think that's probably a bad analogy, but I'm not going to get but into let's it. Let's not do yeah. that. Great. I'm just trying to... Okay, um, here's why I think they're right and you're wrong. Um, because, so Taylor Swift is doing this tour called the Eras Tour. Why do I know that? I don't know. I didn't look that up now. I just know that because culturally it's reached me, 
right? I've seen clips of her performing without trying. I'm aware of all these different famous people who've gone to these concerts, right? Um, not just like people I know, all, not that I've heard much from them really, but like Travis Kelsey went, blah, blah, blah. All these stars go and stuff like that. Like it's out there, right? I don't really know when Bruce Springsteen is touring or not. Well, no one's ever like... I mean, he's not at the height of his popularity. I'm saying it was never like this at any point. He, there was also not the internet. Like, there's another era-dependent problem with your now anecdotal data that, yeah. you're, that you're giving. Like, Bruce Springsteen played the Super Bowl long after the height of his popularity. He was popular enough that he was an old man throwing his crotch at the camera, and it was, like, well past the height of his popularity. Yeah. What's your point about that? That's, that's extreme fame. Of course. Well, yeah. I don't think anyone's saying he isn't a very, very popular musician in the world. I think what people are saying is she's reached a height that is so much higher than what he has. It's not that he isn't very popular and isn't known. It's that she is known in on mu- just another level, a much deeper, more powerful okay. level. And it seems like that's probably true. Let's assume that she has, to use modern terms, uh, 5X click-through rate on Bruce Springsteen. You know, hi, Fine. Fi- she's 5Xing him as far as popularity yeah. and by whatever total metric you want to make up in your head. Okay. Does that refute my point in your mind that she is the cultural successor to Bruce Springsteen? I want to say that even with your, your point that the internet is here and that's part of it and all that, like, my, like I'm not aware of anyone else ever doing concerts and there's concerts all the time. Right, yeah. very famous people are doing concerts all the time. I've, if Kanye West did a concert tour in the last three years, I have no knowledge of that. Right? Yeah, and yeah, that's, yeah. And that's true for Beyonce. That's true for everybody you, you, else. But you continue to focus on the popularity level. What I'm asking you, okay, is does that actually matter as far as what I'm saying? Like, if did Bruce Springsteen yes. reach reach the critical level of popularity where it's a valid statement, nonetheless? No. Okay. Um, because the popular, you're talking about cultural successor. Um, I think the popularity is a big part of that. Okay. Like that, it, like how how deeply does it um, bleed into all parts of America slash the industrialized world? Um, and I would say he's done a really good job in America. She's done a much better job, and while she's had the internet, I would argue that she's done something that no one else has done in my lifetime that I'm aware of. Really hit hit this hit this like point where I somehow know about all this stuff. Um, Britney Spears had a moment that was like this, but it lasted a very short period of time, and it wasn't with her touring. It was just with her fame because she was the hottest thing in the world there for like four months. It was kind of a Kardashian type thing. Yeah, it was different. This yeah. is this is really not that, right? She's built up. She has like a long discography. She's had a million number one hits or whatever. I don't know any of them. Yeah, I mean, and I whatever. Think, I think the reason the Swifties found it borderline insulting was that they would argue. There is no cultural predecessor to Taylor right. Swift, That's and, their and point. to suggest as, as much is offensive in some way. Yeah, I mean it's it's clearly not offensive. Um, I understand why you would say that. It doesn't sound crazy until I sort of like think about it more and like look up these numbers and also think about the whole piece of like, oh yeah, like I don't know about anyone's concerts ever. I don't know the name of anyone's concert, and somehow I know the name of Taylor Swift's concert. That's crazy to me. You know? Right, and I still don't know the name of anyone else's. So it can't just be the internet existing. It's more than that. It's it's a different phenomenon. It is, and that's also something I wanted to talk about with Taylor Swift because this person, the Swifty that I was talking to, is a person that I like very much and is otherwise reasonable, um, <laughs> and, as far as I know. Yeah. Uh, so it, it seems that there's a a certain level of fame that people can reach where cult status is achieved. And I, I don't know if Springsteen ever achieved that. I'm no longer really talking about know. him anyway. But clearly there is some sort of a cult-like behavior 
that goes ar- with the most intense Taylor Swift fans at this point? Would, would you, you, you're looking at me like you don't agree. I mean, I don't know. I don't know a lot of Taylor Swift fans. I certainly don't talk about Taylor Swift to anyone ever except you right now. Um, and my, uh, my niece, who is you know 19 and only because I tell her, like, I don't like that music. Um, so I don't have anything to say about that. My, my, the reaction, the reason why I'm looking at you like, what the hell, is because I think that's true for almost anyone who's famous. They have some percentage of their followers, like, put them on a particular type of... Yes. So we'll defend them to the death. I, I agree. And and so, not, so she just has more of those followers. I agree. Because she's got more a bigger pool to start from. I agree with that. That's, okay. a, that's a good analysis of the situation. So I've, Taylor Swift is just an emblematic of what I'm really talking about, which is the the way we have idols in society. And I, I, find, ah. it, I find it very interesting yeah. the way that people interact with these idols. A, a subset of the population, not everybody. But like people who will spend you know a full month's paycheck to go to a concert, right? Or... People who will create multiple fake accounts on Twitter to defend Taylor Swift when they don't know her and, and stand to gain nothing from this, mm-hmm. right? Or people who will fight about Xbox versus PlayStation, you know, like all of this type of stuff where you, yeah. you end Tribal up, behavior. You end up in these tribes. And I think it's really interesting to observe, especially in this internet era, because we get to see it all happen instead of just having it happen in conversations between people that you never hear. Like there was some tweet mm-hmm. that got lambasted that I deservedly so where somebody posted a, a video of Taylor a Swifty posted a, a video of Taylor Swift dancing at one of her concerts. And she's like, a, I don't know if she's a good dancer, a fine dancer, a great dancer, whatever, but she's dancing and she's doing a fine job or whatever. And the caption in the video was something like Taylor Swift is a much better dancer than Michael Jackson ever was. And then, you know, like the quote tweet was from somebody who was like, man, Taylor Swift's fans are just setting her up to get blasted over and over again with these types of claims. And, Okay, it's but interesting I, behavior. Okay, but let me push back on some of this too. Um, that is real stuff that happens with yeah idols in general, but also because of the internet and because of things like Twitter, everyone has a megaphone now, and yeah. so you get to hear from the craziest parts of the room, which you didn't yes we didn't used to be able to do right, but you hear from all of them, and in fact they often get magnified, they get retweeted and stuff like that because they're the craziest parts of the room, and then it's easy to assign that type of thought process to more people than probably actually have it. I agree with that. So you could have twelve people who actually feel that way, and then a bunch of people who are just trying to be supportive or don't know and don't care, but you know, and then it looks like there's this a lot of people who actually feel this way, and most probably don't, or have no sense of it, and you know, it's and so on and so forth. And there's a few people who actually think that is my yeah, guess. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think your your point about the pool being larger is a really good point. You're just going to get more exposure of the types of behaviors that are notably cult-like because right. there's more opportunities for that. Yeah. Uh, in your life, what's the closest you've been to like being in somebody's cult? You know, like some <laughs> some famous person that you would never meet. Oh my God! Uh, how am I supposed to answer that, man? Um, uh, I don't know, really. I mean, there was okay. Here's here's something like I certainly was a Patriots fan my entire life, and Tom Brady had the um, Deflate Gate thing. Yeah, and I absolutely defended that. Um, still think it's probably fine to be clear, even now, but. It was very notable. Like, Patriots fans all felt one way, and the rest of the world mostly felt the other, right? That was pretty noticeable to me. I mean, that's a different type of cult, right? The sports fan cult, which is, I guess, not that different. But, you know, I I would count that as homerism more than cult-like behavior. You know, you're just being a a big homer and taking the side of your But what's the difference? Yeah, maybe maybe there's not too much. I think it's all the same. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. There's... 
certain people who garner cults and certain people who are more likely to, like Elon Musk, for example. Absolutely. Right? You know, it's interesting stuff. That brings up actually something I wanted to ask you about or bring up okay. on this show, which is this. So since Elon bought Twitter and now X... It's X and it's it's gritty now. Have you seen the new app emblem? It's like it's like a stained pair of jeans sort of. That's I mean, do, you know, you got to do something, right? So yeah, so you call it X and you make it look gritty. So here's what I wrote down for this: Is Elon Musk intentionally destroying Twitter, or is there something there? Like, is he actually trying? And maybe even this is going to work out. Okay, so let's. There, there's obviously a third possibility too, which is just complete incompetence. Yep. Those are your three options, really, right? It's going to work, he's completely incompetent, or this is deliberate. Okay. What is it? I guess we should look at this from all angles. As Great the idea. investigators that we are. Go ahead. So let's talk about what he's actually done. Oh, um, boy. Which I don't, I don't have, like, a full accounting of this. But obviously, he's, he's taken a beloved brand with a very well-known symbol that actually entered the vocabulary of English, and I, I'm guessing other languages as well. Yeah. Where it became a verb yeah. to tweet. And it's, it's really hard not to say tweet even though they're not tweets anymore. Right? I say like, it all the time. Yeah, and I don't see any reason to change that. But like the little blue bird and the word tweet and all of its derivations like retweet and all that stuff are, are culturally very significant. And that's something that's really hard for a social media company to achieve. I don't think Facebook even achieved that they really. Never. Even they were always a bigger company. They never, mm-hmm. it, nobody says like, I'm going to Facebook you. Never in a million you know, years. Like, yeah. So he gave that up. Right by by doing this branding change, which seems to have been a pet of his since the early two thousands, he wanted to turn PayPal into X. No, he had a company called X, oh. and then um, PayPal and X sort of merged, and he was made CEO. But it was still called PayPal after that. Okay, that's what it is. Right. So he just loves the idea of X. Yeah, because he's like the ultimate Gen X guy. So, <laughs> like, yeah. so that's one thing he did. Another thing he did, of course, is. Um, make is change the check mark system. Yeah. So the check mark used to be verified, like this is actually the person, and now it's if you pay eight dollars, you get a check mark. Right, which is a different way to verify, I guess. It's not really. It's not verification. No, it's just it's just monetization in a different way. And there are now things you get from paying for Twitter Blue. I guess it's X Blue. I don't know what it's called. Actually. X Plus, probably. I don't know. It was it was Twitter Blue, but um, you get the uh, you basically only. Only people who pay for it can be f- even in the for you, right? For anyone else, yeah. So that's already to me like, what is this? Isn't it doesn't even feel like social media anymore? It's paid reach, yeah. Um, also, in in re- replies to tweets, anyone who's got a check mark is pushed to the top, and you see all of those apparently before you see any un uh, check mark replies, yeah. So this doesn't even feel like social media anymore. It feels like a different thing. It feels more like LinkedIn to me than um, what Twitter was. Yeah, it's a very odd decision to... He's trying to, you know, give people a reason to pay him. Yeah, which I get it. You're trying to monetize this thing that was not doing well before you bought it. Right. And and you made it worse, but it's still not doing well. Um, but it's from the user experience, it's just so odd when for so long the blue checkmark has meant this is a person or entity of note that we, as Twitter, verify is that person or entity. Right, and it no longer means that at all, which yep. is a strange, strange decision. He also has, has said stuff that is like classic Elon Musk stuff, like vague promises of the future, like X is going to be an all-in-one internet platform. Yeah. It's going to be for payments, and you know you can 
buy a Tesla here and all you know all the all the bullshit that is never really going to happen. Probably seems unlikely. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would definitely put my money on X. Effectively, doesn't exist or is irrelevant. You know, rather than it's you know the all-in-one thing that everyone's using yeah. in five years. You know, it seems very unlikely to me. It's just it's such a powerful user base they still have. Absolutely, I still use it all the time. To be me, clear, me too, because the alternatives kind of suck, right? Yeah. Like I, I actually have not had an Instagram for the majority of the time that Instagram has existed, um, but I got one to try Threads out like a month ago when Threads first came out because I was like, let's see if it's any better than Twitter, which right. was still Twitter at the time, I think. And uh, I think the the lust for threads by the public has completely died at this it has. point. And and that's really important is you need people on there posting things. How badly be- did Zuckerberg fuck this up, man? They like had the moment where right. like something like twenty percent of the the Twitter audience left them for threads and just like gave it three weeks and came back. Yeah, because I mean, because it threads in my usage of it was basically the same thing, but then it doesn't have any of the things that I already follow, which on Twitter, like I've spent years cultivating what I follow. Right. Yeah. And on threads, I have nothing. I just have the people who are on Instagram that I'm friends with. And like, they're not necessarily posting public things on threads very much. I mean, in theory, you should be able to follow the same people who you were following on Twitter on threads, right? In theory, in theory, but they have to be over there and you have to be able to find them and it's work and this and that and the other thing. Yeah. Anyway, back to the original question. So, those are some of the things Elon's doing anyway. There's probably more. In fact, they've done a thing now where you can monetize. They're paying people um, for like bringing folks to, not really bringing folks to X, but people who are getting the most impressions and things like that. Like you just get paid for mm-hmm. that. But you have to be a Twitter Blue or X right. Blue member. So you have to be paying them to find out how much you would get. And apparently it's not that great. Someone had 145 million impressions and got like $60 um, for like three months. She was very upset about it, claiming censorship, claiming all this stuff. Um, I guess part of it is like which, it's basically where advertisers want to put their ads is really what it is. So you have to be the right kind of topics and get enough people and all this, the right kind of people, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, so is this intentional or is this not intentional? Let's start with that. Is he, is he actually trying to destroy this thing, or is he trying to make it better? You're going to have to lay out your argument for it being intentional. Do you have some end game that he's working on here? No. Okay. It just feels like how could you be... If it's not intentional, is he deeply incompetent, or can we just not see the, the whole picture yet? Well, like, it's, it's just like at the end of Seven, when they're like, you're a t-shirt, man. You're a movie of the week. He's like, you don't get it, bro. You haven't seen the, what's in the box yet. You, you don't <laughs> yeah. understand. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's possible that he has some brilliant endgame plan, but I'm not entirely convinced. I mean, Tesla and SpaceX are impressive companies in their own right. Sure. You know, um, I think he gets a lot more credit for that than he probably deserves, although I'm sure he deserves some credit. Yep, that's but, right. But those are engineering companies and manufacturing companies that then sell their products to individuals and government agencies and stuff like that, right? It's very different than a social media company. It's possible that he just doesn't have... He, he has so much power in what is now X and has the final say on everything. I, I'm imagining a world where in the, you know, the X boardroom, it's kind of like Putin's Russian war room where like, he was told by all of his generals before invading Ukraine that, it, that Ukraine would, would surrender in three days because they knew that's what Putin mm. wanted to hear and he wanted yes men around him. Yeah. I have a feeling that Elon's in a similar spot at X, and he maybe just thinks he has all these great ideas that he can articulate well because he's an articulate person and makes them sound good. And then he has a bunch of yes men and women around him telling him 
yeah, of course that's going to work. And he might really think these are all good ideas when in reality the vast majority of the public has no interest in these things. It does seem to mostly be the case that the public's not super interested. Um, it seems to me, and this is as an outsider, admittedly, just from the stuff I've seen, I haven't done a lot of reading on this or anything, but that he's had tw the Twitter algorithm tweaked so that way it gets him the kinds of things he wants for his own personal um, or X handle, you know? So, yeah. like, so like the at Elon Musk gets, like when his numbers were going down, he's like, hey, we need to change this. And yeah. the way they change it isn't, the way he wants to change it isn't, I have to write more compelling posts. It's, I'm going to have the engineers change the software so that way I get more people who see my stuff. Yeah. And in fact, I see his stuff. Yeah. I don't follow him. I have no interest in his stuff. Often it's completely pedestrian, even though it has 200,000 likes, and I'm very suspicious of all that. Like, why is this being retweeted 500,000 times? There's nothing to... It isn't like this is clever or interesting or funny or anything. He just wrote something like, oh, I really love Twitter, and it's 500,000 retweets. And I'm like, this is suspicious to me. I just don't buy it. The, uh, the innocent explanation for this is that he, like Taylor Swift, has a yes. cult-like following, and there's kind of like a a signal to other people in your group to say like, I'm retweeting stuff that Elon tweets. So like you should, you should also follow me. We're mutual friends of Elon. So we can all like be friends together on his social media site. And mm. that's, that's the signal to the other Elon people. Yeah. Right. Like, I don't know. Do you, do you feel like this, this makes me think again about the cult like worship stuff with him and Taylor Swift. I have a sense and maybe, maybe this is just me being wrong. Do you feel as though um, the cult-like worship of people like that is because younger generations now, especially each younger generation, is uh, less religious and they're looking for something somewhere to put that? I don't think that's what it is. You don't no. think? No, I think it's um, there's just that's just human behavior. People are always looking Maybe for so. some some place to put that and. And they can put it in multiple places pretty easily. So you could do, if you wanted to be religious and follow Elon to the degree, you can do both. Not that everyone would, of course, but that, like that, I don't think one excludes the other. Just to give you a sense, he tweeted on August 18th, although there are some bad things in the world, remember that there are many good things too. So he has 153 million followers. That's a lot. That's a lot of followers. I'll give him that. But it had 419,000 likes. By the way, how can he have 153 million followers anyway? That doesn't track at all. I don't know. Maybe it does. Come on. 153 million? It's possible. I don't know. I don't buy it for a second. How many followers does Taylor Swift have? It? I would guess she has less than that. Now I need to know. Uh, Maybe I'm wrong. 100 million? I'm going to go with 100 million. Taylor Swift has 94 million followers. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. But Elon has like... You know, 180% of Taylor Swift's followers. I just don't buy this Elon thing at all. She's following zero people, by the way. Good for her. That is, that's a cool She's move. like, I'm not on Twitter. <laughs> that's a cool move. That's a super cool move. See, that's why she's more, more important than Bruce Springsteen, because she doesn't follow back. Does Bruce Springsteen follow anybody? You got to tell me. This, this is going <laughs> to many? How many followers do you think Bruce Springsteen has as I look this up? I'm going to go with, I'm going to guess he's not an avid tweeter. So I'm going to go with 1.8 million. He has 1.3 million. Nice. He follows 39 people, so he's in there. Let's see who he's following. <laughs> we got to know who, who Bruce Stevie is. Stevie Van Zant. That makes sense. 
Max Weinberg, just musicians, basically. Yeah. He follows Bruce Springsteen, which is the, Bruce, the best Bruce Springsteen blog on the internet. I have a feeling he's not the guy, really. These are just, yeah. Hold this on is a, a professional second. account. How is there a Bruce Springsteen blog? Like, what is there what to say in the Bruce Springsteen blog? He doesn't really tour anymore, does he? Um, he does tour. He does? Still? Yeah. Okay. Never mind then. I see. I don't know anything about cultural success. He tours and he tours pretty successfully, even. Yeah, there's a photo from he, from on he, on his Twitter profile from two weeks ago in Chicago to a stole, sold out stadium. Like, it's pretty cool. He's rocking. He's old, but he's rocking. Good for him. Yeah. Good for him. Munich, same thing. Just a sea of people. All right. So still, Taylor Swift more popular. So if Elon is doing this intentionally. What are some possible end games? I got very little. I can't really think of any actual reason why he'd be doing it intentionally. He like shadow shorted the stock before he bought it or something? I mean, that would be kind of brilliant, I guess. Uh, but I mean, he owns a lot of the stock. So shorting the stock is a, it's weird. Yeah. Very yeah. weird. He owns, he owns more stock than anyone else. In the world, I imagine. Of I this, think by so. A lot. I think that's by like a huge amount. Yeah, that's why. How he, can he short it? That's why he gets to do all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know, man. I, it, it feels like it can't actually that he's trying to fly the plane into the ground. It can't really be right. Probably not. It's too expensive. So then, would you go with my explanation of he's probably pretty good at managing Tesla and SpaceX, but this is just a completely different thing? My explanation is that plus. He thinks every decision he makes is correct based on his past experiences, right? And that may be because they were, or it may be because the people around him like made sure they, you know, yeah. like did what they had to do to make things work and change things around or whatever. I'm not sure what it was, but either way, and that is not happening here. So either um, he just doesn't understand this, or the people around him aren't covering things up and like papering over and lying to him or doing whatever they have to do to like, yeah. Make the company run, which is kind of what people have said was happening at Tesla, too. Um, I don't know if that's actually true or not. Like, disgruntled ex-employees, you know, would tweet about this at times. And it was interesting to read. Who knows what's real or not, yeah, that kind of stuff. It's tough. It's, it's not impossible. And when you see what he's done with, with X, like changing the name before, you know, having the, the trademark for X, stuff like that, you know, feels like very much, very, like, spontaneous, like, quick thinking, not not, like... Not actually planning anything. Hard to be really successful and do that. Oh, yeah. And they put up that really bright sign, right? Which they had to take down. Yeah, they had no right to put it up. They they didn't petition the city or anything. It kept people up, like, because it was so bright, like, across the street for, like, a week or two before the city forced them to take it down. I mean, just really weird. Yeah. Like, and it feels like all the decisions are being made like that. I think think what it is, is my best guess is that he is actually quite bad at running this company and that... Him buying it is a version of what you have said you would do if you had unlimited money, which is you would buy a sports team, probably. Yeah, or a movie studio. Right. Something where you get to like have some input in, into a thing that you really like yeah. and think it's cool. And I think I know what I'm doing, but don't have any experience. Right. But Elon is, was like always really into Twitter. He always used it a lot and like sure. enjoyed it. So it was kind of like his passion. You know, He's like, I'm rich now. I'm the richest guy in the world. So what do I want? Well, I want Twitter. You know, so I mean, he didn't want Twitter. He was forced to buy it. Okay, he wanted it for a second, then he realized how bad of an investment <laughs> it was. There you go. And then he didn't want to buy it. Yeah, yeah. Um, until he realized, like, yeah, of course. But I think in the you know dog chasing the truck moment, he did really want it right at the beginning when he first offered to Maybe. buy it. 
Yeah, maybe because he made a formal offer that had that had to be upheld in court. You know, like he had to right. go, go through that process. He didn't just say he didn't just tweet that he wanted to buy it. You know, he really went through with it. The interesting thing is, so he bought Twitter for forty four billion dollars. Yeah. right? His net worth, as uh, according to Wikipedia, as of August twenty twenty three, which we are still in, two hundred seventeen billion. Yeah, but I think probably very not liquid would be my guess. I would assume not. Yeah. Um, but two hundred seventeen billion dollars. Uh, great. Uh, that's like kind of a big chunk of his money. Now, you could argue, who cares? You yeah. make forty-four billion dollars disappear. You still have like hundred and eighty billion, and it's all the same anyway. It's a very reasonable argument. But if you're um, if you're like in a competition with Jeff Bezos and everyone else to be the richest guy in the world, which I think he is. Yeah, I think he. Mind. I think he views it that way. Yeah. I mean, I think, why, I does think want, those... why does he want to fight Mark Zuckerberg? It, that's like the underlying reason they want to fight each other, right? I mean, he's a lot richer than Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, but, but they they want to have their little billionaire brawl. And, yeah, yeah. You know, like, I'm the better billionaire. You They're know? playing. These are the games they play. Yeah. Right? Because they've won all the other games. And right. He, he, and he has. Like, whether we think he's incompetent or not at some of these things, he's clearly won all these other games. This is the last game. Yeah. At least the current last game. Um, so, like, losing that losing $44 billion is probably not a great i mean it's not great anyway it sounds bad it sounds pretty bad it does sound bad but if you're gonna be if you're gonna be still like the seventh richest person in the world even after doing that it's a pretty good situation but but he probably feels the pain of that right Right, because because he cares about being the first richest person in the world because it's the hedonic fucking treadmill yeah in the end right like yeah so do you think he bought it with the idea that it would increase his wealth or do you think he really just wanted to buy it in a moment of lust for this idea of being the owner of twitter without really thinking about the financial future of it. I think he bought it and thought, I know all the things that are wrong with it. We're going to change all those things, and then this can finally be successful because this, this thing is a money loser, even though it's popular. Yeah. Right? So we're going to make it a money winner. I'm going to change all the stuff. And did the thing that I remember the, the CEO of the place where I used to work would do, which is they just go in and make proclamations and not really have to ever think about is this practical? Is this a good idea? They just like do it, and then like people would do it. So, for example, where I used back in the day, this is like in 1998 or whatever. But I worked at this place where they were having some problem with accounting for some reason. Oh, they were there's like five different sections of the the business, and he he was like wanting to know how much money was being spent on one particular thing in one section, and they couldn't tell him easily. And he's like, okay, from now on, I want five completely separate. I want this to be separated into five different things so I can always know exactly. And ended up taking, they ended up having to like hire two more. They had one account, they had to like hire two more to do that and did that for like months. And he never needed to know again or wanted to know again until finally he, they stopped paying those people and did it. But like he just procl- he made a proclam- declaration this is how I want it to be and like worked these people to the bone huh. for months for nothing, for nothing. Because there was one point when he wanted to know something that wasn't instantly available to him. And so he's like, this is how it's going to be. It's like that scene in Casino when Robert De Niro is eating a blueberry muffin and he's pissed off and he goes into the back and he goes, goes to the chef and he says, from now on, I want there to be the same number of blueberries in every single one of these muffins. And the chef says, do you know how long it's going to take? He says, I don't care. <laughs> and now there have to be, you know, and it's like, what, you know, it just doesn't think about the consequences to that, right? And that, it feels like that's what Elon's doing, but with lots of pieces of Twitter. Casino, by the way, to pivot... Hard. Hard. That's it's okay. about time to pivot anyway. Sure. Are you have more on Elon? No. Okay. Well, I think it's my favorite Scorsese movie. I think I like it better. Like, I know Goodfellas is a popular choice. I know, you know, The, the Departed won the Oscar. 
It is a good movie too. Yeah. I, I think I enjoy Casino the most. If like, no, this doesn't happen. I have a candidate for you. Okay, just let me finish my sentence. Okay. This doesn't happen anymore, really, because people don't watch TV as it's on. But, like, back in the day when I would turn on TV, it would be on, like, TNT, and they'd be playing a movie at 2 p.m. And if, if it was Casino, I'd be like, you know what? I'll watch it for a bit. Mm. You know, let's see how this goes, right? But if it was Goodfellas, I'd be like, I've seen it, you know? Okay, your criteria is most fun Scorsese movie to watch, right? Yeah. I would like to nominate The Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, that's a good nomination. I think I gotcha. I don't... I think I got you. On I that still one. think I, I go with Casino. Really? Yeah. I think you could, for me, someone could make the argument that Casino was a better movie. I don't know if they could make the argument that it's a more fun movie for me. For me. There are some, the most fun scenes in Wolf of Wall Street are more fun than the most fun no scenes question. in Casino. Casino maintains a sense of fun and has relatively high, well defined stakes throughout. It's just like, it never, it never gets below a boiling point of this is fun and high stakes, you know, the whole time. Wolf of Wall Street, I think, has a, a few lulls in, mm. in that regard. Um, but the most fun scenes, like the Quaalude scene, just amazing. Really a lot of fun. Scorsese did Wolf of Wall Street, The Departed, Goodfellas, and Casino. That is just... T- very few directors have just any four movies. Yeah. Their four best movies just like... Almost no one can touch that. Maybe Christopher Nolan, we could argue. Sure. Um, there's probably a few others. I'm curious to see what some, some of the younger directors who've put out some great movies already are going to do you know, as they go. But like, that is an incredibly tough thing. to like. Almost no one can match that. And maybe no one can match that even. Maybe Spielberg can match it. There's like five people who might be able to match it. What a run. Also, obviously, he's made a lot of other great movies yeah. too. But those four movies are... Like all timers, the all Ir- of them. The Irishman was a little long. Oh, the Irishman was was more than a little. <laughs> it was a little. It long. was rough and boring, yeah. right? There um, were times that it was good, but but also rough and boring. Yeah. Um, but he's got a lot of other movies too that are considered classics, of course. Um, but those four movies to me are like out of this world good. So, what's your favorite Scorsese? I know you, you said you think Wolf of Wall Street is more fun than Casino, but what's your favorite Scorsese movie? I think it's. Goodfellas. Yeah, you you would just be a normie and say Goodfellas. I think Goodfellas. it's Goodfellas. I'm not... Are you, are you just saying that because Ray Liotta died and you feel like you have to say it? Is that why? It's because Joe Pesci's still alive. Ah, and you feel like he's going to come after you. <laughs> <laughs> but he's in Casino also. No, but it's different. It's a different role. I mean... It's really not. <laughs> he dies in both of them, so... Dude, spoilers. Well, we're not entirely sure he dies in Casino. It seems pretty likely. This casino where they get him with the baseball bats yeah. and bury him in the desert? Yeah. Yeah, pretty sure he dies. <laughs> yeah. Pretty sure he dies. Um, boy, that's an incredible scene. Oh, those movies are yeah, so because, good. Yeah, because, oh, come on. There's no scene in Wolf of Wall Street as good as that scene where it's being narrated from Pesci's perspective and then he gets hit with a bat and the narration stops. Um, like, that's pretty good. I think The Wolf of Wall Street is my favorite Scorsese movie. Oh, you changed your mind. I'm not sure. I don't know. I have to watch them again. I love all four of those movies. The Departed is incredible. The Departed is incredible. I don't know. There's no is is the scene with the baseball bats better than the end of The Departed in the elevator when someone's head people's heads just start getting sh- blown off out of, like in a shocking moment. Those that's a sh- I think I think the baseball bat scene is better. Yes, it might I, be. I think there are some scenes. It in might the, be if there's a scene in The Departed that challenges that. It, it's got to be one of the Jack Nicholson intimidation scenes where he's just like, you know, that Leo's character is undercover. And he's like just in a room with Nicholson mm. and a bunch of his goons, and like Nicholson is kind of grilling him. Like those scenes are really good. I mean, if we're doing best scenes of all time, though, doesn't the um, 
you know, funny like funny how like a clown has got to be like the best of all of them, right? Uh, like that. That's it's just the most famous. That's an incredible scene. It's not just famous. I mean, that's an amazing the the tension that Pesci brings, the menace that he brings. Yeah. Is so incredible, especially for being a short guy. Maybe it even somehow he pulls it off. It's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. And they're all great movies. They are. There's not. It's not really worth fighting over. He's it, got guess. a new one coming out uh, really soon. Killers of the Flower Moon. You know, I th- I kind of feel like Taika Waititi is the cultural successor to Martin Scorsese. I mean, I understand where you're coming from, and I feel the same. But I know most people would total most Taika fans would think you're an asshole for saying that. Right. <laughs> I dare you. They're not even in the same room. Yeah. Yeah. 